Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. This morning as we uh, continue the study in Colossians, we're going to take kind of a a big overview look here um, at this chapter. Not go into great detail. However, I would... um, I would encourage you to go back this week and, and read and study it um, some more, kind of some homework. Um, but let's just start with verse 3. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 3, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As we go down through this chapter, I think you'll see uh, Paul the Apostle reveals uh, that there's some treasures, some mysteries that are needed in each individual's life, each believer's life and the church. And also in this chapter, as as you'll see that he talks about the, the treasures, the mysteries that are hidden for the believer, he lays out... Um, multiple warnings uh, to watch out for in, in, in false doctrine. And um, he uses the word beware. Uh, twice he, he says, uh, let no man beguile you. 
He talks about being spoiled. And so this is a continuation really of last week, you know, of last week in chapter one where we, we started who is Christ, right? That he is the savior, that he is the creator of all things, that he is before all things, that by him all things consist, that he is the head of the church and that he is in believers, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so that's what he's continuing with in this, in this chapter, chapter two, where he says, in whom? You see that in verse three, in whom are hid? Well, the in whom are hid is talking about the end of verse two, that in God and in Christ are hid all, not just some, but all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm just going to sum it up real quick. Uh, In this sense, Paul's saying here that all you need in your Christian life is found in Christ. All that you need. He is your all and all. And so, kind of how we're going to look at this this morning, tackle this together, this chapter, is first I'll talk about the treasures, the positive, the treasures that are found in Christ. And then I'm going to talk about the things to beware of, the things to uh, look out for, and then we'll close going back with the treasures in Christ. He is our reward. The Lord Jesus Christ is our treasure. That's what the Lord said to Abraham. He said, I am thy exceeding great reward. And in him, that is how we grow in wisdom, heavenly wisdom. That's how we grow in the knowledge of him. Look at verse five. You're in Colossians chapter two. Look at verse five. Paul says, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet Am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the what? Steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I think that verse is amazing right there in in verse 6 where he says, As ye receive the Lord Jesus Christ, as ye receive Christ, so walk ye in him. The same way uh, that we were born again, brought into the family of Christ is the same way that we are to continue to live our Christian life. How is that? By grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. We're going to be rooted in Christ. By grace, through faith. We're going to be built up in Christ. By grace, through faith. We're going to be established and taught in Christ, abounding in thanksgiving. Actually, in verse four, uh, 7, there's four things that he talks about uh, that can help us kind of think about our, our spiritual growth, our spiritual growth in Christ. And by the way, the Lord wants us to grow. And the Lord wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be growing in him. He mentions uh, four things in verse 7, rooted, rooted. You know, when he talks about our growth, we're like a tree. 
and our roots are in Christ. We're, we're, we are in, uh, uh, connected to Christ, abiding in Christ so that we can be like that tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, a fruitful tree. But you know how to be a fruitful tree? We have to be what? Rooted in what? In Christ. How? By grace through faith. Then he talks about being built up. Being built up. It's like a building. And he, he likens us, the church, to a building quite a bit, doesn't he? Throughout the scripture. That we are built up. That we're fitly framed together. Right? That we're jointed together. That we are his building. The Bible says that we are his building. That we're framed together. How does he frame us together? How does he build us? Precept upon precept. Line upon line, just growing us in his word and in the knowledge of him and the wisdom of him. We're slowly built up like you can see this building coming up out of the ground. That's what God is doing uh, in us and through us. Just here a little, there a little, building, building us. Then he says, as we've been taught, you know, the Christian life is, is like school. I, I think of this quite often. I'm still in school. I'm still in school. I think that it's important that we recognize that. I've not arrived. I don't know it all. Neither do you. We're still in school. We're still being taught. Taught by who? By the Holy Spirit, our teacher. We are, this is the only way to grow, is to recognize, hey, I'm still in school. I'm still learning. I'm still drawing close. You say learning what? More about Jesus. That's what it is. Not more about, you know, uh, my, my denomination or this or that. No, more about Jesus. Being taught in him, drawing closer to him. You know, you and I are still in school. And then he uses the word abounding, abounding in our spiritual growth. I think of our name, Wellspring. We're a spring. We're springing up. What we desire is that the Holy Spirit would spring up through us. That we could be abounding. That we could uh, serve others and, and preach the gospel and be a light to the community out of an overflow. Of God's work in and through us. That we're abounding. He says abounding in what? Abounding in thanksgiving. This is November. We're coming up on uh, Thanksgiving. And what a, what a scriptural holiday that that is. Giving thanks. But I'll tell you that uh, we could, you know, we don't have to just have one day a year for Thanksgiving. We could turn every day into a holy day. By what? Giving thanks to God. Waking up in the morning and giving praise to Him. You say, what is that? That's signs of spiritual growth. All these things. You say, how is it? It's in Christ. By faith. By His grace in our lives. He says in verse, look at verse 9 and 10. We're still talking about the treasure. How we're going to grow. It's all in Him. He says in verse 9 and 10, Colossians 2 for in him, I've underlined that in this chapter, how many times he says in him. So for, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Christ. We studied that last week. He is the express image of God. And ye are what? Complete in him, which is the head. We covered that last week. He's the head of the church. Of all principalities and powers. For in him is fullness. For in him you as a Christian are complete. He goes on in that passage. And you can read and study it later. That he talks about an operation of God. 
God does an operation, not with hands, a spiritual operation at salvation where He separates the body of sin, our flesh, from the new man, the new woman that is born again in Christ, incorruptible. Yes, there's a part of me that's still sinful. But there's also, because of the God's grace in my life and giving me new life in Christ, there's a part of me that's born of an incorruptible seed that is sinless. That before God is justified and made righteous with God. This happens at salvation. And God does this operation of parting the two, separating the two. And when He looks at you and He looks at me in the new birth in Jesus Christ, you know what He says? He says, they are complete in Christ. The believer is complete, meaning he has given us all that we need to thrive and to live the abundant life in Christ Jesus. You are complete in him. When I read that, that you are complete in Christ, I read it as though you don't have to add anything to complete, do you? When he says that there's fullness, you can't add anything to full. Once it's full, it's full. <laughs> you know, when the cup is full, you can't put any more. He says, you're, you know, you can't, you can't perfect on perfect. And that's what Christ, the work of Christ was perfect in our life, was complete in our life. I think that as we step back and look at this whole chapter and that big picture, that's what Paul is trying to show We're going to address the warnings in just a second that there was false doctrine coming in and being taught, false doctrine coming in and being taught. And the way that Paul knows to combat that false doctrine was showing that we have all that we need in Christ, meaning you don't have to look outside of Christ to grow as a Christian or to perfect on your Christian walk. Everything that you will ever need in your spiritual life will be found in Christ. Christ is wisdom. He's made wisdom unto us. If you desire more in your Christian life, if you desire more fullness, and we should, we do desire more fullness in our Christian life, Paul is saying that is found in Christ. Not in all these other things which he's, we're going to point out in just a second were warnings against. Right? right? He says that you, all of our spiritual growth and spiritual help is going to be found in a fellowship and relationship with Christ. So that's the treasure, right, that we have in him. Let's go to the warnings and then we'll go back to the treasure. But let's go to the warnings that are found in this chapter. Chapter 2, starting verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. So Paul had heard that there was false doctrine coming into the church. And so he's addressing it. Colossians 2 and verse 4. He says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. He says, it sounds good, but it's not good. It sounds good, but it's not truth. He goes on to say in verse 8, look at verse 8. Beware. Here's a warning. Beware. Everybody understands what that means, right? Beware. Beware, lest any man, what? Spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. So he brings it back around to what is 
the treasure. Everything that we need is what? In Christ. And so he says, beware, because there's teaching out there that would spoil you. Spoiled as a Christian, where it's, yeah, it's enticing words, yet yeah, sounds good through philosophy. Oh, it intrigues the mind. Oh, it sounds good to my mind. But they're just traditions of men. They're just, what he says is they're, they're, what does he call it here? He calls it the rudiments of the world. It's rudimentary. It's basic. It's earthly based. Meaning, yeah, there's, the philosophy sounds good. It's enticing to your mind. But this worldly philosophy is from the earth. It's not from heaven. It's, it's, it's basic. It's earthly. It's not heavenly wisdom. That's what he wants to make the difference. And there was a, there was a enticing like, hey, let's mix all this earthly philosophy with Christianity. And he says, oh, beware of this. This could spoil you as a Christian. You, you could think that this is somehow some, oh, listen to this new philosophy. It's going to set me free being taught all over college campuses today. Oh, this is, this is so freeing. But yet it's another form of mind bondage. It does not set us free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The only way that an individual is going to be set free is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not more and more of earthly philosophy and more and more traditions of men and more and more of enticing words. Oh, give me another, you know, great speech that tickles my ear. And he says, and, it, and all that will do is you try to say, oh, that somehow is going to make me more spiritual. He says, no, it's actually going to put us more in bondage. It's a disguise. It's in a, again, I said it's all over. This was an issue in Colossae 2,000 years ago. And I tell you, it's an issue in the United States of America today where, you know, sociology and, and ethics and logic from the universities is being used in the church to somehow make us grow spiritually. It can't. It's rudimentary. It's earthly. You can't grow spiritually on earthly wisdom. You have to have that wisdom from God, from the Lord. And he's saying, hey, watch out for this. It sounds good. But it's not from the Lord. Next, here's the next warning. It's um, legalism. Legalism. And then specifically here, he's talking about uh, the Jewish uh, religion, Jewish legalism that was creeping into the church. This was amazing. I find, I find that this is amazing. In Colossae, specifically in Galatia, the churches of Galatia, these folks were pagan. They did not know God and they did not recognize God at all. And someone came, Paul to, to Galitia and, and others to Colossae. They preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many were born again. Their lives were changed. Their hearts were changed. They found the freedom and, and the joy of being in fellowship with God and knowing God, the creator. But then after a short amount of time, there were those that came in and taught that, that you have to mix, you know, the, the commandments of the law with Christianity, specifically things like diets, what you eat and dates, when you worship and the days that you worship and all these different things. They started adding that to Christianity. And, and strangely enough, those that used to be pagan and used to be completely, you know, non-religious 
I'm thinking the barbarians, the Gauls, the Glidians. They, 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 but now they're attracted to this sort of, you know, religion. Thinking that it was going to sanctify them. Thinking that if they would follow these laws, that somehow that was going to draw them closer to Christ. That somehow that was going to add some level of spirituality to their Christian life. And Paul's like, no, no. Read the book of Galatians. He says, how, how, did, you, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? By grace through faith. Now are you going to be sanctified by keeping all these laws? No, you're not going to be drawn closer to Christ that way. But through the fellowship that's in Christ, through the Holy Spirit. There's no, you know, they thought that doing all these things was going to add fullness to their Christian life or add perfection. You know what Paul says? You can't add to it. Christ is it. You can't add to it. Look at, you're in Colossians 2, look at verse 14. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, that was against us, which was contrary to us. We don't have time this morning to study it, but the law, the law is our schoolmaster to show us that we are sinners, not to sanctify us, not to draw us closer to Christ, just to prove thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. It was just to prove that we are a sinner, not to draw us close to Christ. We needed Christ to draw us close to God. He says they were contrary to us. And he said, and and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Christ took it out of the way when he died on the cross, having spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Instead of those things spoiling in you, he says the Lord Jesus Christ spoiled them. <laughs> when, he nailed it, when he was nailed to the cross, he said, what did he do? He triumphed over them. He became the fulfillment of the, of the law, defeating it. The key word right there is found in verse 16, where it says, let no man therefore. We always point out the therefores, don't we? He says, let no man therefore. You say, what's the therefore? Uh, therefore. It's for all the verses starting in verse 9. All that Christ has done. How he died for us. How he saved us. How he separated our sinful flesh from that new man and made us new in Christ. Fulfilling the law so that you don't have to. All those things. Therefore. Meaning, if you have trusted Jesus Christ who did all those things in your life then don't let anyone judge you in, in respect of what you eat or what you drink or what day you worship God or in these uh, things like that. He says, don't do that. Don't fall into those traps. Beware of legalism in our own life. And why is it? You say, I this was a problem 2,000 years ago. It is a problem today. Do you know how many... Mainstream religions around here will tell you you gotta you gotta worship on this day. You can't eat this on that day. You gotta eat that. You can't you know you can't eat this and that. Why? It's so clear in the scripture. We've been set free from that. You know what Paul says? Don't let anyone judge you on those things. You're free from those things. Beware of legalism in your own life and even on ourselves. 
even on ourselves. Here's the next warning, verse 18. He says, let no man beguile you of your reward. In a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. So the first warnings, you know, he warned against the philosophy. He warned, warned against the Jewish uh, legalistical things, what you eat and what you, the food you have and what days you worship. worship. Now he's going to something else, something that's kind of uh, mystical, something the um, mysticism it's called, where it's all supernatural and the worshiping of angels and all, intruding into all the you know, supernatural things. The one is so easy to you know, regulate. Did I worship on this day, right? Did I eat this food or did I not eat this food, right? You know, some of that stuff is so easy to regulate. But this other that he's talking about, the other extreme of mysticism, that, you know, ultra spiritual and entering into the supernatural realms, um, you know, pretending as though you, you have all this understanding on what's going on in the, you know, in the angelic realms and with the Satan and with all these different things. Um, he says that uh, there's a show of humility in that. You see it? There's a show of humility in that. But really, it's, instead, it's just puffed up by their fleshly minds. It's just a kind of a imaginary thing that you really think that you're, you know, know all this supernatural stuff that God hasn't let us in on. He told us it's real, that there's spiritual warfare. But outside of what the Bible tells us and outside of what the Holy Spirit shows us, we should be, be careful not to intrude into those things. It's all about that supernatural experience. Again, outside of the Word of God and outside of the Spirit of God. It goes so far where it says that they're worshiping angels, praying to angels. Now, the Bible tells us about angels in Hebrews 1, verse 14. He says, are they not all, talking about angels, ministering spirits, set forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? You know, God's given us the angels to minister to the believers, to the Christians. But let me tell you this right now. We are not to pray to angels. We're not to pray to angels. And by the way, we're not to pray to saints. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. That's it. And outside of that, we're intruding into things that we know not what we're doing. This is not right. And so he says, don't be influenced by all this, you know, spiritual mysticism of, you know, the principalities and powers and opening ourselves up to all this uh, spiritual darkness. And, you know, you see these things in, in Eastern religions so often. And many times, even when we're in India, you see all this mysticism that's caught up. And, you know, people are constantly tortured in their minds, thinking all these different things. The Lord says, no, the word of God's clear and, 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 and will set us free from all that mysticism that you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that you walk in the light. Listen, 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When we walk in the light, you really don't have to worry about the darkness. The light will put out all the darkness. And he says you can be free from all that spiritual darkness and all these things. Don't be fooled by this. And he even says that they have a form of humility. But really, he says that they're, they're puffed up. In their, in their minds, their fleshly minds. But you say, how do you correct that? How do you correct something like that? He says, get your head right. Verse 19. He says, not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands are having nourishment ministered and knit together, increasing with the increase of God. The reason why it's so important that we keep the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost, that we pray to Christ, that we worship Christ, that in all areas that he is first is because if you don't get your head right, everything else is out of line. Everything else will end up walking in darkness. We'll end up following some sort of, of a wrong type of doctrine, wrong type of thing. But if you keep the head, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you get your head right, <laughs> keep the head in his rightful place. Like I said last week, all things will fall together in their rightful, rightful place. He says that when we get the head right, I, I love this. He says that the whole body will find its nourishment and increase. And I think that's what the point of this whole chapter again is about. Is that the Christians, and we can if we're not careful, start looking for spiritual nourishment or spiritual increase outside of Christ. Oh, maybe the worldly philosophy has some spiritual nourishment for me. Or maybe it's that I just need to, you know, uh, observe these diets or these dates or maybe some of the Old Testament law of Moses. Maybe that's what I need in my life. Maybe that's, maybe I, I need to intrude into the spiritual, deeper, darker things, that, that world. Maybe that's what I'm missing in my Christian life. They say, no. You want a nourishment in your Christian life. You want to increase. You want to be built up. You want to be rooted. You want to be abounding in your Christian life. There's one source for that. And it's in Christ. Abiding in Christ and fellowshipping with Christ through His Word and through His Spirit. Hey, this is it. There's another warning. He goes on to another one. Look, at it's found in verse, verse 20. This was another Thing that was influencing the church in a wrong way. He says, wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, he keeps talking about that again. Why is through living in the world, you are subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not. This is, now he went from mysticism to asceticism. This is a, this is, you know, if I'm self-disciplined enough, and this, this is a, a different type of legalism that's not necessary, necessarily the Jewish uh, type of fo- following the Old Testament law, but just like the traditions of, of, of other people. It's the traditions of men, the doctrines of men. They've laid out a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations that are not from God. And it's, and it's this. If you don't touch that, if you don't taste that, if you don't handle that, then you'll be full. Then you'll be complete. All these lists of things that you have to do. And he says these are, these are rudimentary. These are things that humans have laid out. Doctrines that humans have laid out. That won't. You can not touch it. 
You cannot taste it. You cannot handle it and still not experience the fellowship and relationship with God. You see this extreme. I mean, you see this extreme in Hinduism big time where these gurus and stuff, you know, they will literally starve themselves. They will tie themselves up into knots. They will live in abject poverty, thinking that that somehow gets them closer to God. And it doesn't. I mean, they're so self-disciplined, it's unbelievable. But it doesn't get them one bit fuller of the Holy Spirit of God. These things are not what it's about. He goes on to say in verse 22, he says, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. That's what he's saying. Hey, you've, if you want to follow, you know, the doctrines of men, the rules and all this sort of stuff, uh, he says, it, it's not going to help. It's going to perish. It's not eternal. He says, which things have an indeed a show of wisdom. I, I think this verse is amazing. A show of wisdom in will worship and humility. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that just how religion is? If you don't touch this, if you don't taste that, if you don't go, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, 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 then you will show as you are spiritual. And that's what it's all about, too. It's all show. It's all show. Like, I would never touch that. I would never be seen. It's my reputation is so important. I am so religious. I am so, and yet they're so far away from any type of fellowship with God, any joy of the Holy Spirit and peace that comes from God. These things cannot fill or fulfill. That's what he's saying. Careful of this. You can't self-discipline yourself enough to be in a right fellowship with God. You can't self, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not preaching against self-discipline here. I'm just saying that's not the way to God. That's not the way to uh, fellowship with God is strict religion. That won't get you there. It won't get you there. He says it has a show of wisdom and will worship, you know. Before long, you know what eventually we're worshiping? Before long, we're worshiping ourselves and everybody who follows our little set of rules. We set up men's doctrines and then before long... That's what we'll worship. Instead of worshiping God, instead of putting Christ in its rightful place, we'll start worshiping ourselves because, hey, I follow the rules. And, I, and I'll worship everybody else, you know. We're all right, we're all good, and we all feel really good about ourselves, yet we're all really miserable. We have no Holy Spirit working in our lives. There's no real life. There's no abounding. There's no fruitfulness. That's what he's saying. Watch out for the danger of this. I, as I read this chapter... I think I can, I mean, you don't, you don't have to look very far. These issues are creeping into the churches. One of these issues could be creeping into our lives now. And he's saying, danger, watch out for these things. This is not how we come closer to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all, it's all a show of wisdom, but it's also another form of bondage. That's what it is. It's another form of bondage. Let me tell you this, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit and the walk with the Lord Jesus Christ will give you more uh, self-control than you ever could put on yourself, ever could put on yourself over earthly things. It is a fellowship that you can have with Christ and then all the motives are right. Why we do what we do, why we go where we go, why of all these things is because of our relationship with Christ. And that's the fullness. That's where the completeness, that's where the perfection comes in is when we're in 
Christ. I told you we would start with the treasure, then we'd hit the warnings. We've hit the warnings. Now let's go back to the treasure. Go back to the treasure in Colossians 2 verse 12. He says, Colossians 2 verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened, or that word means made alive, together with him, having, having forgiven you all trespasses. You say, what's the treasure? That in Christ we are alive eternally. We are alive eternally, forgiven eternally. Uh, the fullness that is in Christ. He's saying you are complete in Christ. You can't add to your spiritual, eternal life. Christ is complete in that. If you've trusted Him as the Lord and Savior, you're buried with Him in baptism, risen with Him through the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Then He goes on, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances which was against you, which is contrary to us, and took them out of the way, nailing them to the cross. You say, I'm free from the law. I'm free from earthly philosophy. I'm free from, you know, the fear of darkness and all the spiritual realms that I don't know anything about, that mysticism. I'm free of that asceticism of trying to bring my physical body into perfect submission and subjection and try to be more perfect and more perfect and more perfect and trying to, that, you know, that wheel that never ends. No, he's saying, no, if the Son had made you free, you're free indeed. He nailed it to the cross, delivering us. From all those things. Verse 15. He says. He says. And having spoiled principalities and powers. And made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. You're victorious. Triumphant. In Christ. Currently. You say. Well I feel like I'm defeated. I feel like I've. You know. Been beaten up this week. I understand that. We're still in school. The Lord's still working on us. But ultimately. In Christ Jesus. You are victorious, triumphant. Why? Because of him. Paul in this chapter is pointing to the treasure that you as a Christian have in Christ today. And that's Christ. That's Christ. Again, the big picture is don't try to look outside of him for that spiritual uh, fulfillment, that spiritual abounding, that spiritual fruitfulness, that that spiritual um, uh, uh, fulfillment, it's all going to be found in Him. You can look to Him. You say, how? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through His Word, the Word of God, through the fellowship of His saints, we experience this closeness and fellowship with Christ. You don't have to look at worldly philosophy. You don't have to look at the, the old law, the diets and the dates and the so on and so forth. The, the imagine all the the spiritual realms and, and uh, all the spiritual beings and activities going on. He said, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go into the self-discipline and self-control and try to follow every doctrine and commandment of men to be in a close walk in relationship with God. He said, you don't have to do that, but it's found where? In Christ. In Christ. And so that's, as we close, leads me to the question. I think that every individual has to ask, Am I in Christ? First off, am I in Christ? Has there been a time in my life where I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for my salvation? Am I born again? Am I in Christ? 
You can be today. You can be today. That's what the gospel is. That Christ died for our sins. That's what he said. He nailed it to the cross. He died for us. His blood was shed for us, according to the scripture. He was buried. He died for us. But then he rose again, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating all of our enemies, triumphing over them. You say, how can I, how can I know? How can I know? How can I know that I have eternal life? By grace through faith. By grace through faith. As Paul the Apostle said, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Not tomorrow. Not next week. But put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm repenting of my sins. I want to trust you as my Lord and Savior. And by His grace, He will save. He will abundantly pardon. You can know that you've been reconciled to God. Made in a right relationship with God. Not by any good thing that you did. But by your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You can know. You can know that you are saved. That you're in Christ. And then from there, for the believer, we have the same dangers that the churches at Colossae and and Galidia had. That we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But then as time goes on, we think... In order to be more fulfilled spiritually, in order to be more complete spiritually, we're going to look outside of Christ into things that are earthly, worldly. And they don't look worldly. They look like humble. They look religious. They're called religious. They're made by religious people. They're just doctrines of men and commandments of men. And think, hey, these things will make me more spiritual. But they can't. They're earthly. They never could. They never would. Don't look outside of Christ. We have the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He is, he is our all in all. <laughs> he really is. He is all we need. This is good news. This should be good news. That the treasure that we desire, the thing that we really need, we have in Christ. That each day we can, be, we can go before His throne and find help in time of need. That we can pray. That we can, we can have communion with God through His Word and through His Spirit at any hour of the day. At any time, we can find that nourishment, spiritual nourishment that we need at any time. You don't have to wait for the Sabbath. You don't have to wait for a certain thing. You don't have to do that. You can go to Him anytime, anywhere in the world. And He will meet you there as you seek after Him as a believer. How can I be a better Christian? How can I be a better Christian? You know, we kind of think that thought sometimes. It's simple. Know Christ. Follow Christ. That's it. Keep it simple. How is it? It's by grace through faith. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes on Him. Seek Him. Then today, by grace through faith, would you? Would you? Be ye reconciled to God. I got to tell you. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. I know that's hard for our earthly minds to wrap around. But it's the greatest thing that an individual could ever do. Is to allow Christ to pay for our sins. To be reconciled to God. To be in a right relationship with Him. 
and to recognize that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ and that you can be complete in Him with all the fullness of God through Christ Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you today? Lord, we are we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how uh, you give us warnings to bring us back on track. And Lord, we're thankful for the treasure that you've given us. We're thankful for the treasure that's inside of us. The Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to empower us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your church that we have to come together and just to be able to sing these songs about you and to you. Lord, we are in love with you, and we're thankful that you love us. And we pray your blessing on this church throughout the week as we go out into the world. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to be filled with your fullness, Lord, and that from that fullness and that overflow, that we can tell others about you and the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.